live from the WILK studios in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. Sharing Recovery is sponsored by Clearbrook Treatment Center, Serenity Lodge, Attorney Jason Mattioli, and Archstone Recovery Center. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of Intercom Communications staff, management, or sponsors. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. Welcome to Sharing Recovery. We're happy you choose to spend some time with us this afternoon. I'm Jack Kropp. My normal co-host, Suzanne Kelly, has a much-deserved day off today, so my co-host today is Carly Kay. Today, um, we're going to talk about uh, help, about help, hope, and healing, and that's what recovery is about. Recovery is possible for anyone. Our guests today are Sarah and Tia, and with them, we're going to talk about this time of the year parties pressures temptations and triggers and before we start talking about that um, the audience is important to us and if you want to call in and participate if you're in recovery and you want to join the conversation please do if you're a family or a loved one with questions call in 570-883-0098 so to get the day started Tia why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and and how you came to be in recovery. Hi, I'm Tia M. Um, I've been sober since March 1st, 2014. My drug of choice was heroin. When um, I was at the end of my addiction, I didn't see anything um, other than despair and um, I thought death was the only option. And I ended up in a program, it was a long-term treatment program. Um, I was out of state for it. I was there for about seven and a half months. Um, Up there, I learned a lot about myself. I went to my first AA meetings. Um, I came home and I did everything that I was supposed to do. I got um, a home group, um, sponsor. um, I don't know. When I look at my addiction and where it was and how my life is today, there is so much difference and I see so much coming to light in my life with family and friends and being able to do everything that I thought I could do and never, I never thought that it would happen and it only happened because I'm in recovery. So recovery is possible is what you're telling us. Yes, recovery is very what possible. What was life like before you got to recovery, Tia? How bad was it? Um, I wasn't allowed at my parents' house. Um, I didn't have any friends. The people that I surrounded myself were just like me. Um, bottom of the barrel. We just, I hung out with people that did drugs like me. I didn't go outside much. I didn't want to communicate with people. Okay. And Sarah, your story's a little different, isn't it? Yes. Uh, tell us about your your experiences. Um, so prior to getting sober, um, I actually lived, uh, born and raised in this area, but I lived all over the country. Um, and uh, my drug of choice was alcohol. Um, that was, uh, that's what I did. I drank a lot. Uh, um, I, was, I was a lonely drinker. Um, 
I would, um, I was, I guess what they call a functioning alcoholic. I would work all day and, and drink all night. Um, you know, that's what I did. I would literally leave work, um, get alcohol, and I would, I would drink until I fell asleep. Um, or blacked out, whichever one you want to call it. Um, and, you know, I, when I finally moved back to Pennsylvania, I was that person who said, you know what, the geographic change and going back to school, that's what's going to change me. And it, it didn't. Um, like most alcoholics, that doesn't change you. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and I was blessed to have parents that, um, that saw that. And they approached me in a very loving manner. And they said, let's get help. Um, they didn't put me down. They didn't point the finger. They said, let's get help. And on February 7th of 2016, um, they helped me enter a rehab. And I was there. Um, and it was, again, in a very loving manner. And I entered willingly. I didn't um, kick and scream too much. Um, <laughs> The only thing I did say was, I can't stop drinking. I have to drink at my wedding, uh, which was probably the dumbest thing I could have ever said. I wasn't even in a relationship, but that was my only kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, but I did go, other than that, willingly, both of them drove me to rehab, um, probably the best decision um, all of us could have ever made. And I've been sober since. And, you know, come this coming February, God willing, I will celebrate two years of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, you know, just like Tia, um, we got we got to our rock bottom at very different di different times and different places. But um, it, it's been great ever since. My first year of sobriety was, was a little bit tough. It was a little bit rocky. Um, you know, I, I didn't want friends in this program. Um, all I wanted was to be sober and to live my life. But it, um, I made some fantastic friends and some great relationships um, working, working um, a, a program and um, really digging in my second year of, of this of sobriety and uh, my life has changed drastically. Great friends, great job, great relationship with my family and my and my um, and my parents now. And I, I couldn't be happier. And, and one thing I do like to point out is that you're a college graduate. Yes. You have a professional career. I do, yes. Right. And Tia, you came from a different angle. Yes. You're, and that's what I like to point out, that addiction is not specific to one group of people or to one eco-socioeconomic status. It can affect anyone, and you guys are now together, and I know you guys are good friends. Yes. Yes. But, and you came to this from a whole different direction. Mm -hmm. Carly, why don't you come in here and tell us a little bit about where you came from? And so, first of all, I think what Tia and Sarah shared so far is is great because it does show that um, addiction can affect anyone at any time, regardless of where you come from, what you do, who your family is, who your friends are, where you live, any of that. And just like those two, I also, you know, struggled in my own ways. And I quickly went from drinking and smoking weed to experimenting with ecstasy and then experimenting with other drugs and quickly down, downward spiral to hopeless and um, really just at a point where I didn't think there was any way out. That's the scariest part, I think, is when you're at the point and it's like, there's no way out. I can't live without it and I can't live with it. And um, until, until you're able to find a program of recovery with uh, friends and family or whoever, whichever way you find it, is until you're going to think there's hope again because there is. But I know the feeling of not thinking there is any hope. And Sarah, you said that... Um you know, we, we know you have a professional career. Did you lose a job with addiction? Yes, I did. Um, I was, 
Actually, my first job um, out of college, I got a, an amazing career um, in, in California. I mean, when I say amazing, they moved me out there. I was given the I mean, It was unbelievable. I was with my dream company, my dream job. They moved me across the country. They just gave me the, the stars and the moon. Um, and in, in six very short months, I burned every possible bridge. I got out there and um, quickly lost that just because every every day i mean the, the company motto was work hard play hard and i took that way further than everyone else did so at that point you had nothing left tia when you hit yeah. that bottom did you have anything left no i had nothing i had no friends no family um i didn't have a dime to my name again carly that day in february of 2016 i guess it was when you sat there crying what did you have left uh not much you know looking um Looking from the outside in, you might think, well, she has a car and she has a job and she has an apartment. Um, the apartment was filthy. It was never clean. There was nothing in it. The fridge was empty. The job, zero effort into the job. I um, did bare minimum to keep that job. The car was a wreck as well. Everything about the car was a wreck. So it might look like I had it together, but I didn't. And most importantly, and what I say, is the inside... <clears throat> was worse was the worst it could be i felt um and the only way i could describe it is i felt black inside and uh, no emotion uh kind of kind of just dead inside and that's the part that i think is the worst uh, the car the house the everything that was all a mess but the worst part was how i felt and it felt like there was no way out and it felt like this was the end and there, nothing's going to change so you guys are, are all young and, and, and relatively new in recovery. And here I am, an, a little bit older than you guys, and I've been in recovery 19 years. And 19 years ago, I had nothing left emotionally and physically. Everything was gone. My family lost everything they had, uh, house, cars, business, whatever. But more than that, I had let my family down. And I had nothing left inside at all. I, I mean... I was just blank. There was nothing there. My point is that 19 years later, it's recovery is the same. That we all get to that same spot where there is absolutely nothing, nothing at all left. And at that point, we have to decide what we're going to do. Are we going to continue in the gutter? Are we going to continue that life? And I don't mean literally in the gutter, except some of us were literally in the gutter. Or are we going to turn our lives around and do something about it? Now, the four of us here have taken that path and we've turned our lives around and we're working at that on a daily basis. And that's that's where we're going to go now. What do we do? What do we do to stay sober? And, and I know the theme of this, this show today is talking about parties and pressures, temptations and triggers, and what the holidays are going to bring us. But first, I like to just set, I want our listeners to understand that we were all broken, and then we did something. And we did something. We reached out for help. And, and Sarah and, and Tia and Carly both said they've gotten help. But now what do you do? What, what do we do now, Sarah, on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I mean, I, it's 
it's in the forefront of my mind about my recovery. It's something that I think about on a daily basis. I, I talk to other alcoholics and other people in recovery on a daily basis. I mean, literally the two people in this room, Carly and Tia, I talk to on a daily basis. I, I attend a 12-step program on, you know, on a weekly basis. I won't say on a daily basis, but I have you know, specific places that I go. Um, I never, I never thought I would be that person that, that speaks about recovery on a daily basis, but it's always on the front of my mind because it is something I need to be conscious and aware of because the moment I feel I'm slipping away from it, or if I, if I ever get to that point, um, that, that terrifies me because I know as quickly as I was able to turn my life around, because I will say two years is a pretty short period of time in the, in the scheme of things, it's a, it could it could that quickly go the opposite way um so I, I have daily prayers daily affirmations um there's there's just daily things that have become routine in my life just as getting ready for for work um but you know on a daily basis i i, I talk to other um other women um in recovery and um and and work with other people whether it's um you know, via text or on the phone or in person, but, you know, working with other people in these programs, that's a huge part of, of how I stay sober and will continue to do so. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about what's coming up in the next month and how we're going to deal with that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. I'm Jack and we're back. <laughs> and today my co-host is Carly Kay. And now we're going to talk about holidays. We've just come through Thanksgiving, and uh, we face Christmas and New Year. And, and what's that like for somebody in recovery? But before we do that, let's talk about what holidays were like when we were actively using and drinking. Because in my case, my wife tells me I ruined every holiday I was ever involved in. Now, how does that come about? I didn't drink an awful lot in front of my family. I didn't show up at things drunk, but I was miserable all the time because I wasn't drinking. And if I told you I was going to be home on the night before Thanksgiving to help make the checks mix at 6 o'clock, you can bet I was coming home at 2 o'clock in the morning. And on Christmas Eve, when we had to leave to go to the family functions, I wanted to be in a bar with my so-called friends until the very last minute. And that's how I dealt with holidays. I was drunk either before, after, or during. It was the only coping skills I had. The coping method I used was alcohol. And all that did was make things terrible for my wife and children. My children were afraid of me. Carly used to say she'd run and hide in a closet when she knew I was coming home. That's a horrible way to live, and that's what alcoholism did to my family. What were holidays like for you guys when you were using? Car? Well, I think holidays for me when I was using looked not like anything, really. I mean, they looked like um, 
a regular day of let me get in my body the substances I need to get in my body. Let me try to conceal it the best way I can so no one knows that they're in my body. And then let me get out of that holiday as quickly as possible so I could go back and put some more substances in my body. So essentially I was never present. I would show up right on time to the holiday affair, high or drunk, hopefully trying to conceal it so no one knew, which I'm not sure, but people probably knew. And then it was, let me eat as quickly as possible, um, have as little conversation as possible, and then let me have an exit plan of, oh, I'm really sorry, but I have to go because um, my dog needs me, and leave as quickly as possible so I could go home and just continue to do what I did on a daily basis. So the fact that it was a holiday didn't really matter to me. It was go show up for as little time as you have to, and then come back and just go on with your normal day of getting drunk and high all day. And do you have any idea how that affected your family because of the fact that you ran in and ran out and didn't participate on a family level? Honestly, in the moment, in active addiction, I don't see that. What I see is I was there. My family saw me. I did what I had to do. They're pleased because I was there. Not really thinking about, um, well, no, you weren't really there. You were there physically. You weren't participating. You weren't enjoying your time with your family and um that's all stuff i could look back at and see now now that i have a clear mind and i'm sober but in the time in active addiction i don't see that i really don't i don't um i don't think about others and that's because addiction is selfish and all i heard is my addiction in my ear saying your high is wearing off you better get out quickly so you could go get more that's all i heard and Tia, what was it like for you when you were actively using? What were holidays like? Were there holidays? When I was younger, um, I grew up in a family where smoking pot and drinking um, was done at every family function. So for me, you know, smoking pot, eat all the food, take a nap on the couch, that was normal. It didn't become like a bad thing until I was doing heroin and... Um, I knew that my family was judging me. Somebody was going to say something inappropriate to me that I'd have to defend because... Tia, let me interrupt you. Did your family know you were doing heroin? Um, yes, they did. Even though I tried to hide it in whatever way that I tried to hide it, um, everybody knew. Everybody knew what was going on. Um, it, it wasn't as easy to hide as I thought I was doing. Like, I, was, I wasn't good at hiding... Um, heroin addiction, wearing like long sleeve shirts in the summertime when it's hot out. Um, there was no reason for that other than a heroin addiction. And Sarah, how about you? What, were you, what was it like in holidays when you were drunk or high or whatever um, it was? The one positive about living all over the country is sometimes you don't make it home to holidays. So you're by yourself drinking, which is as an alcoholic, fantastic. So you can be blacked out by yourself. Um, I'm also really bad at hiding when I'm drinking. Um, I, in the t at the time, thought I was probably really good at it, but um, I would, looking back, I could notice my dad especially always looking when I'm pouring, you know, the wine's supposed to be this big when it's really like, you know, a gallon that I'm pouring in the glass. Um, so he would always take an extra peek. Um, I wasn't really good at hiding it, I don't think. And I think that, you know, you I drank a lot faster than most people. Um, I tried to cover it up as I was young and this will pass. But when year after year, it's the same thing. And, um, you know, uh, 
when I'm questioned, were you drinking? And I get very angry and storm off and that's time and time and time again. And it's the same pattern. Um, and I, they know I'm drinking and I'm constantly saying no and screaming and getting very angry and getting combative. Um, it's not fun. Um, and I used to, you know, in the beginning when I got sober, I would look at those things and I would be so upset at myself and cringe and get like so angry with myself. And now it's, you know, I made those amends and I, um, and, and now I can have sober holidays and now I can, um, I, I don't have to feel sick about those times I had and I can make up with, make up with those things with action now, um, not just with words. And I'm so sorry. And I'm so sorry. Now I have those sober holidays and that's probably the best way to apologize to family and, and to friends is just being present and being in the moment and, um, and having those sober holidays. And that's what I look forward to most is I'm not scared of the holidays. I'm, I'm happy to be able to be there and be present and, um, just give those times to my family now of just being sober. You brought up an interesting point, um, getting angry. Yeah. I generally, when I was drinking, looked for fights. Oh, yeah. I wanted a fight. <laughs> I wanted a reason to go storming out of the house, which was a, a normal tactic of mine. I'd go running out because it was everybody else's fault. I didn't like what was occurring, and I wanted to run out of the house. And, and running out of the house to me meant I could go get a drink somewhere. And, or if, if there was an errand to run, I was more than happy to run an errand because I knew where there was a bar between me and that errand, and I could stop and have a couple of drinks because nobody knew I was drinking all the time. So that, that's what it was like. So now here it is, that time of the year. And, and what, do we, um, what do we have upon us? We're going to have parties. We're going to have social events. We're going to have shopping. You know, how many of us went out to, uh, on a shopping event, which really meant we were going to a bar, we were going to drive by a store and say we were in it, and then go to another bar. So what do we do now? What are we going to do during this holiday season to, number one, enjoy it for ourselves, number two, to make it more enjoyable for our families, and three, and most importantly, what are we going to do to stay sober and to avoid the temptations and the triggers? What are some of the triggers during the holiday season, Carly? Um, my biggest trigger, honestly, is just any type of tension in my household, which is kind of funny to say because if you're listening, you're probably like, that happens in our household too. Because with any family during any holiday, there's some type of tension. And if there's not... That's new to me. But um, most families are on edge. Like, let's get everything perfect. Let's make sure the house looks good. So-and-so is coming over. Let's make sure this looks good. So that type of stuff gives me the most angst, makes me the most anxious. And then that's what triggers me to think, I can't do this. So you get this uncomfortable. This is too much. Yeah. You get uncomfortable for whatever reason. Right. And then to deal with that being uncomfortable, you think of alcohol, pot, drugs, whatever it is, to take that edge away, to take that and reduce that stress you're feeling. Right. T, is that what happened to you? Um, yeah. Um, when I first got sober, I thought that I had to be present for every family event, every family function, holidays. I wasn't present for them before. So now that I was sober, that's something I had to be a part of. And 
being sober, I've learned that like I don't have to put myself into situations that make me feel uncomfortable. And I love what are my situations that make you uncomfortable to you. Tell us that. So be so we can get our audience to relate to what you're saying. What are some of the situations that make you uncomfortable? Um, addiction runs rampant in my family. And there's a lot of events where there's a lot of alcohol. I don't know if people are on drugs and putting myself in a situation like that. Um, I might not necessarily feel like I'm going to use, but it makes me feel so uncomfortable that like I'm on edge the whole time. So just like this past Thanksgiving, I didn't spend Thanksgiving with my family. I spent it with my spouse's family, um, close to home. Um, I knew I didn't need an exit plan. I knew that I didn't need to escape his family. Does his family know about you being in recovery and, and do they support that? Yes, they do support that. He is also in recovery. Terrific. I think what's important to point out what Tia just said is that um, as as much as everyone wants the perfect ideal holiday and whatever that looks like for you, um, as much as you may want that, as a person in recovery, it's still very important for me to protect my recovery. And I think what Tia just said is very honest and may sound shocking to some people, but it's honest. If I know that my family might not be in a good space and I know that that might put me on edge, um, it's my right and um, okay for me to say, I'm going to go spend my holiday with um, a family or a friend or my spouse who respects where I'm at in life. And I think a lot of people who are in recovery and have maybe family or friends who are not in recovery and are doing things that we used to do, I think there's fear around being honest and saying, I can't do this. Um, but in reality, it's actually the best thing you do for yourself is set the boundary and say, that's not the right place for me to be. I love you and I care about you and I want to spend the holiday season with you, but I can't put myself in those situations. Sarah, how about you? Does your family know you're in recovery? Um, some of my family does know. Some of my family does not know. And that has been a conscious choice of mine um, for, for, for various reasons. Um, and, and just like... Tia, I have um, some family that I have separated from um, for, again, different reasons, and that could be a whole nother hour that we would go into. Um, but, um, you know, I, I have this saying that it's my story to tell. And when I'm ready to, if I ever am ready, I will tell you that story. And unfortunately, some family members have decided to go upon, take it upon themselves and tell other people that I'm an alcoholic, but instead of saying she's an alcoholic in recovery, say she's an alcoholic, she's dropped down, dropped down in the gutter drunk. And that's not the case. Um, so instead of, you know, causing a scene and causing an issue, I've, I've decided to separate from people that take it upon themselves and tell that story. So when it comes to holidays and when it comes to family events, when those individuals are around, I, for my recovery and for my peace of mind, I just decide to not be around. Um, and that's my decision. And the family members that do support me understand that. Um, so like Carly was saying, that's my decision. And it might sound selfish and it might sound um, odd to some people that, um, that I'm not around for certain events because some family members are there. That's, that's for my recovery and my recovery comes first. Um, like I said, my recovery is in, in the forefront of my mind always. And unfortunately right now at this, 
at this time, because I am still in early sobriety, I have to put that first. I'm not saying in, in five, 10 years, I won't be around for those things and for those family events when they're around, but for right now and for my recovery, I can't be around for those things. Um, so that's my decision. And, and for the holidays, I won't be around when those family members are around. And, and holidays aren't like TV shows, are they? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know about any of you guys, but my holidays weren't like Ozzy and Harry. Well, you guys have no idea what that was. No. <laughs> and I don't know what a current family TV show is. But holidays all have different looks for everyone. And and that's fine. That's just like recovery is, is, um, is different for everyone. And we work our way through these situations but triggers i mean people that are not in recovery don't understand that uh, the biggest thing the house burns down that doesn't bother a person it's an addict you break a shoelace on your way to grandma's <laughs> and all of a sudden you go into a panic and you don't know how to do with it mm -hmm. deal with it or on the way to, to mom's house she calls and says can you stop and get a quart of milk because for some reason we forgot to get a quart of milk and that's a major a major trigger to a person that's that's actively uh, at, uh, actively in addiction and and even when we are, are are working through recovery those things can still be upsetting we're going to take another break now and then we'll come back and talk some more about the things that are upsetting to us Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. Hi, I'm Jack. And as I said, Suzanne's got a much-deserved day off today, so Carly Kay is the co-host here today. So far, we've talked about how we got where we were at and what holidays were like when we were using. And now, um, let, let's talk about what are holidays like today in, in recovery? And what do we do in recovery to get through the holidays? And is there any fun in recovery? I mean, I don't know, Carr, what do you got? Um, I would have to say that uh, this past Thanksgiving, so, you know, just a couple of days ago, was probably one of the best holidays I've had in a really long time. And I say that because last Thanksgiving, it was it was my first Thanksgiving in true recovery. So uh, I was still in a place where unsure, very uncomfortable, a lot of emotions, Um now, fast forward a year, and we're at Thanksgiving again, and I'm a little more stable. I have a little more time of recovery under my belt. And this Thanksgiving looked so different than any other Thanksgiving, honestly. It looked different than when I was using, and it even looked different from my first year of recovery. But this Thanksgiving was just amazing. Um, I was able to show up and... I actually, first of all, this is this is the most amazing part. I made a dish for Thanksgiving dinner. That <laughs> never, ever happened in addiction. That wasn't even a thought. I did not want to contribute. It was the bare minimum. However, this year I was able to contribute. And, like, that sounds like something small to some people, but that's actually huge in my book. So something that keeps me going during the holidays is uh, mini victories, I call them. So being able to show up, bring a dish, 
be in a good mood, enjoy my family, enjoy the time I had with them was a mini victory in my book that had never happened before. Um, I was prepared for it not to be a mini victory. And I think that's the biggest thing is being prepared. So, so you were prepared for the holiday not to be so good? Yeah, and I think that's like one of the most important steps during the holiday season is speak with other people in recovery and talk about how you truly feel about it. Before going into Thanksgiving, I was able to truly say, I'm not so sure how this is going to go. Holidays are not the best time for me, but I'm going to try my best. But I'm also going to have what I like to call an exit plan. Um, that exit plan looks like I start to get uncomfortable, maybe I'm triggered, maybe something someone said made me really uncomfortable and now I'm getting angry. Um, but I have an exit plan and my exit plan usually looks like, let me pick up the phone and call someone in my support group. Let me talk it through with them. If talking it through doesn't help, then now it's time to go and be like, listen, I'm gonna go take a walk, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Well, that's very interesting and, I, and I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, there are days that even after all the time I've spent in recovery, there are days, times, people, things that happen during the holidays that can be upsetting to me. And I have to have something to do with that. I'm, and when I say something to do with that, I have to have some way of dealing with that other than drinking. Tia, how did your Thanksgiving go? My Thanksgiving was great. Um, I spent it with my spouse's family. There was amazing food. Um, there was no altercations. It was very different than how I spent Thanksgiving growing up. Um, I also got to participate in a Friendsgiving the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and it involved people in recovery. Um, it was amazing to be able to enjoy a holiday and have people that are really close around me um, be with me on a day that, like, usually is a mess. And your friends giving, there were no drugs or alcohol there. No, everybody was in some sort of recovery program. And you had fun doing that. Yes, we had so much fun. Um, it was hours long. We ate, um, we played games. It it was, I can't wait till the next one. Okay, <laughs> a year from now. So I mean, no, on you, Christmas. Oh, I, I see. Sarah, what do you do? during this next month to maintain your sanity, your sobriety? I mean, what is there? Well, the nice thing about having a support group and a support system, um, again, like I mentioned, the two women in this, in this room are my main support system. We have a group text that we are literally texting throughout the day. The nice thing about it is they're both women in recovery and, you know, we're texting throughout the day, whether it's random things or um, problems we're having. And, and it's crazy to look at it because it'll be funny things, whether it's about, you know, work. Um, but the second there's an issue, um, whether it's, you know, something comes up in any one of our lives, you can um, immediately notice the, the shift in the conversation. And it shifts to almost like we take off our friend hat and automatically the recovery hat goes on and it's talking about recovery and things that we need to do and steps we need to take, whether it's maybe a, a meeting or it's, um, did you think about this way? Did you write it down? Did you take this step? Did you think about it this way? And, and the conversation automatically shifts. And I think it's just this inherent um, ability we have now because we are all working a program and we all have a different angle. 
Um, so that's immediately what I go to. I go to the women that I have in my support group. Um, I go to other women that I have outside my support group that I have. Um, you know, obviously I still have my parents, but immediately I don't run to my parents anymore, which I used to do because they don't have the same ability that these women have and, and think the same way. So I immediately go to Carly and I go to Tia for the advice. Yeah, and I think that's a super important uh, point that Sarah just made. So we talk about good times, we talk about laughter, we talk about these support systems and how life is great, but life happens and life is still not great sometimes. What does that mean, Carly, life happens? So I could be going along my day, holiday or not, and everything's going fine and then a, an especially during the holidays when a wrench is thrown in there, like like you said, my shoelace broke or something unexpected happened or I had a little disagreement with my mom or my sister. Um, and now I'm in a point where I'm kind of not feeling so great. And it's like, well, what do I do now? And it's like, well, that support system of T and Sarah is all good and well until I definitely have to use it. So... I either use it or I don't. Mm -hmm. So I could use it all during the good times and be happy and fun, lucky, go free going, whatever. What's most important is the time I am triggered during the holidays, during not the holidays, that I actually now utilize my support system for honestly what they're truly there for. And it's truly to help support me in my recovery and my recovery efforts because I cannot do this alone. And I think that's something that this radio show tries to really teach is that recovery is possible, but it's not possible alone. We have to do this with others. We have to ask for help. And it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. And when it's not, that's the most crucial time to reach out and ask for help from my support system. So I could have a great day all day long texting Tia and Sarah about funny things and about a shirt I just bought that's so cute and all this. And then something happens and I'm at Thanksgiving dinner and now I'm feeling on edge and I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling worried, um, the first thing I do is pick up the phone. And that's the and, most important when thing. My, when my recovery took its best, the, t the turn for the best is when I truly got honest with myself and I realized I couldn't do it by myself. And I couldn't do it just with one other person. I had to do it with a, with a support group. And I, when that's, that's when my recovery honestly took its it's turned for the better. Right. We we cannot recover on our own. Absolutely not. <clears throat> That's just not possible because if we could, we wouldn't be in the position we were in to need recovery because we would be able to deal with our lives without help. And and I like to call it cleaning house. And again, I'm, I'm comparing my, I've been around for 19 years. You guys are relatively new, but I still do the same things you guys do. I mean, every day of the week, I talk to certain people and tell them everything that's going on in my life. So... When something arises, I don't have to go over and, and get Johnny from over there and tell him my whole life story from the beginning. I have an ongoing dialogue with two or three people about everything that occurs, good, bad, or indifferent. They know what's up in my life. They know what makes me happy. They know what makes me sad. They know what upsets me, what can push my buttons. And, and that's where we have to be. So if there's anybody out there that, that's listening and has questions, 570-883-0098. You know, we're here. We'll, we'll talk to you, whether you're in recovery, whether you're new in recovery, whether you've been in recovery for 29,000 years. Whatever it is, call in if you want to and, and talk to us. But we have to work as a team. And when I say a team, I don't mean the four of us in this room. I mean the people in recovery worldwide have to work together to help each other. And that's how we will survive. So 
Now we've come to this point in the show where I like to talk about what's good. New Year's Eve is coming. Now, I don't know about you guys, but New Year's Eve meant nothing to me because I drank 365 days out of the year. But there are people out there that are what I call episodic users, episodic drunks. And this time of the year comes around and they say, oh boy, now there's going to be parties and there's going to be this and there's going to be that. Is it possible to survive New Year's Eve without being messed up, Carr? I think that's a great question. Um, and I like to think about it this way. Recovery is not a death sentence. And I think that's a real misconception. I think that's part of the stigma that you get sober and life is no longer fun. You mosey around and you're sober. And I think that's a big misconception because that's not factual at all. Um, just like Tia mentioned, we had a Friendsgiving, right? We had, a, we had a night where we all came together to celebrate a holiday. Just as if, let's say, three, four years down the road, I got together with people and had a holiday, but it involved different things. Today, my holiday involves... Drinking a Pepsi, playing a card game, watching football, listening to music, cooking. These are all examples of things that I do and I have fun doing them without drugs or alcohol. The misconception that I had in active addiction was my life will end if I don't have drugs or alcohol. This will not be fun. I won't have friends. I won't be living. And, and that's actually the complete opposite. Um, I can go to a New Year's Eve party with sober people. Maybe a non-sober person's there too. But I could be there and I could have fun. And I could keep my eye on the prize, which is I stay sober and my life is good. Tia? A non-sober person's there too. But I, I can. Um, it's nice because I always thought that I had to be at a bar, at a party on New Year's. Um be completely wasted, not remember, you know, be life of the party when that ball dropped. And I'm pretty sure last um, New Year's I was asleep. And I learned that that's okay. I learned that I can stay home and I can be safe and I can relax and enjoy bringing in a new year with, you know, I can remember bringing in a new year. And there was a lot of years where there was no remembering any holiday, any event, any New Year's at all. Wow. Well, I, I think we've all been in that spot where we wake up and look around and say, where are we and what happened? And uh, we're going to take a, a break again and we'll take our final break. Uh, when we come back, we'll just talk about a couple of crazy things and see where that goes. We'll be right back. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. 
Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery, straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. I'm Jack. We're back. And uh, during the break, uh, Sarah just said something that really got my attention. Over the New Year's weekend, Sarah is in a wedding, or will be at a wedding, and it's a two-day event out of town. Sarah, tell us how you're going to handle that. Um, I will. I'm I'm fortunate enough to be going with somebody that is that also works a program. Um, so uh, that is is a positive. Um, so I will be with somebody that is um. It has been in a, a recovery program for about five years, so I won't be completely alone on that one. So that will be positive. Now, Sarah, this wedding isn't here locally. It's in Philadelphia, I think you said. Will you find a meeting to go to while you're there? Um, I'm going to try, yes. Um, and I will not be hard at all because I believe that there will probably be meetings everywhere. Um, and because there will be a lot of downtime, that's something that I'm going to look into. So you take your recovery with you wherever you go. Your oh, recovery absolutely. isn't just right here. No, and that's the great thing about recovery is that it is all over, not only just in this country, it's na- it's it's global. It's all over. Wherever you go, you can find a meeting and you can find people in recovery to latch on to and, and, and work the program. Are there meetings on holidays? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually, what I think is really cool about holidays is there's a lot of times what's called like a marathon meeting. So a meeting on the hour, every hour, all day, which is great because if you think about it and you're in an uncomfortable situation and it's Christmas Day, it's like, okay, my support group is with their families and I talk to them, but I'm still feeling ticked up. It's like, all right, well, I can go down the street any hour I want and find a whole room full of people in recovery, a whole full room full of people just like me who might have a solution to help me out of the way I'm feeling. And 99% of the time, they definitely do have the solution that will help me get out of the bad feelings. And 
there are people not in recovery that are in holiday situations and they're uncomfortable and they don't have anything to use other than drugs and alcohol to reduce that on that that discomfort and that's what we try and, and share with this program that if you're sitting home right now and you're saying to yourself boy i can relate to that i can relate to sarah and t and carly and i i can understand how they felt it's okay to reach out to us it's okay to call us and say hey i i'm not in recovery but everything you're saying makes me wonder if i should be in recovery that's what we want to do. We want to remove the stigma of addiction. We want people to understand that there is addiction everywhere and there's an answer for everyone. So reach out if you want to. And if after this show, when this show is over, you can call me. I'll answer the phone, 855-343-3655. If you want to talk, if you need help, well, that's what we're here for. What do you have planned for the next couple of weeks, kids? Tell us about it. Sarah? Next couple of weeks, um, we're probably going to do another, what do we call it? We're going to have Friends Christmas friends rather than Friends Giving. Friends Miss. Friends Miss. Friends Miss. And, uh, you know, the the holidays will be coming up with family. Um, uh, I don't know. It's going to be laid back, and that's uh, that's what I like. I don't like crazy holidays. Um, I like to do it kind of a little bit laid back, but hanging out with, uh, with my friends here. And Tia... Yeah. I'm going to ask you something that I was trying. You got the greatest gift of all in recovery, didn't you? I have a son that I have. What about your other kids? Getting them back. Um, I didn't see my other kids for five years. Um, It's a year this month that I've seen them. Congratulations. I'll be able to spend um, holidays with them. I have them on New Year's Eve. Um, There's no other reason but recovery that I have them in my life, that I'm able to spend a holiday with them sober and Make it about them and not about me. Yeah. Recovery actually, is possible. Recovery is possible. I want to thank you all for listening in today. And again, I want to tell everybody that's listening, 855-343-3655. Call me. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Thank you so much. Next week, Douglas Dodd.